can, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture, both in Matthew, Matthew 5 and Matthew 28, 19. We've been talking about the disciple makers as well as on Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, we'll continue on. Uh, and I was not, uh, let's see, I'm trying to get all my, I was, where was I last Wednesday, Beverly? Yes, we were gone. And so uh, uh, Jim filled in for us. Is that correct? Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, and so we had a great time. No, I'm getting all my time. We were at the park. That's what it was. That's why I was completely blown away. We were at the park for our picnic, and it cleared up. We had a great picnic. That's why I was, when I said Jim spoke, where was I? I knew I wasn't at the lake. I was at the park. Had a great time. If you missed the park, you missed some good food and fellowship. Uh, and so this next Wednesday, we'll be, I'll be here, of course, and we'll keep talking about the disciple makers uh, on Wednesday night as well, because it's, it's a key uh, for us to fulfill God's purpose, not only our own life, but in, in our church family. So with that in mind, Matthew 28, 19 and 18, 19 and 20, what do we call that? We call it the great what? The great commission. And these are some of the last words of Jesus Christ on planet earth. How many of you know last words are many times the most important, uh, memorable words that anyone could speak? Uh, and Jesus said this in verse 18, he came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples. Everyone say make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That means all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me just say this. Has God taught you anything? If God has taught you anything in life, raise your hand. If you feel like you've learned some lessons from God, you've learned some lessons from God. Uh, you know what the scripture says right here? The lessons you've learned from God, you've got to take and share it with other people and teach them also and just invest in them what God has invested in you. <clears throat> Let me ask you another question. How many of you have people in your life that have invested in your life and you're here today because of what they've invested in your life? Uh, other people in your life, anybody solo saints right here? Nobody's ever, uh, come on, let me, I'm going to ask it again because I want, I want you to respond. And I, how many of you, there's some people in your life that invested their life in your life and, and without their investment in your life, you would not be who you are spiritually or where you are today. There's people in our life. That's people who have in, invested in us. Those are disciple makers, whether you realize it or not. You know, I, at the end of this series, we're not, we're not going to have little badges to give out. I'm a disciple maker. Uh, but listen, uh, we've, we're, we're trying to endeavor. We're not trying to make positions. We're trying to build within us who we are supposed to be. And this, this great commission was not just for the preacher, wasn't just for the evangelist. It's for all of us. Look at your neighbor. He's talking to, tell him he's talking to us right here. He really is. We're, we're to be disciple makers. And at the church, uh, you know, our, our mission statement, we're talking about our mission, our vision, it really works together for this great commission. Let's say it out loud. This is the Church on the Rock North mission statement. Everyone real loud. Here we go. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. Now today, you can do all four of those things. In fact, you're already doing number one. Give yourself a hand. Come on, you're already doing number one. Woo! Come on now. 
You're, you've gathered together. And, and for a preacher, that's pretty big, okay, if we can get people to gather together. You know, if I, if I gave out $100 for every member who was here uh, next Sunday, there would be people who would miss. I can tell you that for, for sure. They'd just go, oh, uh, man, $100, uh, ball game, I'll take ball. I don't know what it is. Uh, so, so uh, but we're called to gather and we're called to grow. Now, if you respond today and you listen today to the word of God and you respond accordingly, you'll be doing number two. I, I, I have a feeling that's happening already today. And, and we're called to give today. If you gave in the offering, gave in the tithe, you're doing that. But how many of you know it's more than just our our our, our treasure? It's our time and our talents that we give uh, to the body of Christ and to the family of faith. And then number four, you can do number four today. You can go out into this world and be a witness and a light and just share the gospel, share the love of Jesus, and go to family and friends and raise up disciples. That's our mission statement. That's what these four tenets are all about fulfilling the great commission that Christ has given us. Now, the great commission this morning, uh, really, here it is. You need to catch this. The cross-cultural core calling and command of the great commission to all Christians is to make disciples of all nations. Somebody say, make disciples. Most people think when they give their life to Christ, if, if they just do do pretty good in life and don't cuss, smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do, they do pretty good. And you know, it's good not to smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do or whatever. But how many of you know the bigger calling is not just to be a good little Christian here on earth, but to be a good disciple that reproduces after like kind and makes more disciples. Somebody say Amen. And that's what the Great Commission is all about, making disciples. And I gave you this definition about a true disciple. It's a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus who has embraced the command and the call, the call and the command to make disciples. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is not a good church member only. A disciple is not a good Sunday school teacher only, even though that has a lot to do with making disciples. Uh, A good disciple is someone who invests their lives in other people and raises up more disciples. And that's what we're endeavoring uh, to invest within you. Uh, Now, last week we looked at Jesus' life, and I won't go through it all, but uh, we looked at his life, and he, he, he obeyed the command and the call of God to make disciples by the way he lived, by his lifestyle. And last Sunday, we looked at some of the things that Jesus did. He lived to lay down his life. He lived to lead. He lived to love. He lived to, to leave heaven. He, there was a, a lot of the ways Jesus lived that empowered him and equipped him and enabled him to make disciples. So we learned from Jesus and we'll continue to do that today. But we also want to learn from, uh, from his word of, uh, of what he shared with his disciples. And so if you're in Matthew chapter 28, turn to Matthew chapter 5 to the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. So you hold your place there. Uh, and so we want to look at the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus, the, the Sermon on the Mount, it's really the first recorded message of Jesus. If you look back and, and, and look, this is his first recorded big preaching gig, if you will. Now, I want you to look right at verse 5, right, or verse 1 of chapter 5, and I want you to see the audience and how it, how it plays out. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. 
And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and there's what we call down to verse 12. What's it called? The Come on, say it out loud. The We're going to talk about that just a little bit today. But he begins to teach them. Now, the multitudes were there, but it's pretty clear. Now, follow me here. This is interesting. I, I kind of got another, a little mini revel, pardon me, a little mini revelation today. The multitudes were listening in. That's the world in a sense, everybody around us. But Jesus was teaching his disciples, but the world was watching. How many of you know the world's watching? And how many of you know the world knows what we need to be doing? How many of you know the world knows when we're not living right? And so Jesus began to teach his disciples. And really, this first recorded message, if you look at it in detail, he's speaking to his disciples. This is his first recorded message. And as I've said before, the theme of this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, could be titled, his title message could be, The Lifestyle of a Disciple. He was teaching his disciples how they ought to live and move and have their being. And it's interesting to me that the world was listening in. They know what we need to be. We need to realize they know when we're not being what we, what we need to be. In fact, understand something today. I thank God, in a sense, Jesus was holding his disciples accountable uh, by letting the whole world hear what he said was the lifestyle of a disciple. And while he's talking to them, the whole world is listening in. And I want you to know today that what Jesus said to his disciples are paramount for us today. And we can learn from these insights. And I would encourage you to read the Sermon on the Mount, meditate on the Sermon on the Mount, appropriate and apply the lessons you learn from the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we're going to simply look into these Beatitudes. I love these Beatitudes. Uh, and really, the, the word beatitude means supreme blessedness. Somebody say supreme blessedness. Let me just say something. Let me throw something out for you today. Most believers are not living in a state of supreme blessedness. And Jesus, I love this because Jesus, the first, the first recorded message, this lifestyle of discipleship, he begins to lay the groundwork for, for us, uh, and, and he says, let me just begin with you how you can live in a state of supreme blessedness where you're just blessed. Everybody say, I am blessed. We used to sing an old song, I am blessed, I am blessed. Every day of my life, I'm blessed when I wake up in the morning and when I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. Jesus begins the introductory message on the lifestyle of discipleship, and I love it. The first word is blessed. Somebody say blessed. And I want to walk through this. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to learn some lessons about living the blessed life as a disciple and as a disciple maker. Here we go. And let me just throw this out. Could I just throw this out? If you'll catch learning to live in a state of blessedness uh, and, and, and extreme joy and happiness, it'll be a lot easier to be a disciple because people will want to be what you are. You know, some people walk in a state of, of, of mully grubs. They're down in the dumps. They look like they've been baptized in what? Pickle juice. They just, oh me, oh my. Listen, for the disciple, it's time to lift up our heads and go, ooh, I am blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. 
living the blessed life. In fact, the Greek word there, as I said, supreme blessedness, the bigger definition is supremely blessed, extremely fortunate, well off, and very happy. Let's all read that out together. Makarios, uh, Makarios, however you want to say it, here it is. Everybody read it together. Supremely blessed, extremely fortunate, well off, and very happy. So Jesus, when he begins this, this message on the lifestyle of discipleship, he just kind of lays it out. This is where we all need to be. As a disciple, this needs to be the state of our being. Supremely blessed, extremely fortunate, well off, and very happy. How many of you could use some of that in your life? Amen. All right. I'm going to help you with it today because in, if, in, unless we understand this, we'll never be able to be what he's called us to be. So here we go. Living the blessed life. Number one, here's what I want you to understand about being extremely blessed, supremely blessed, fortunate, and well off and very happy. Here it is. Number one, what we learn from this. Oh, let me read this before I jump into here. I, I'm, I started off and I meant to read it. Let's read through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Some of you want to stop and say, wait, time out. I, that's supposed to make me very extremely happy. Well, we'll talk about it. And then he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And everyone said, amen. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. May it bring forth much fruit in our life in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. I want to give you some thoughts about living the blessed life. And here it is. The first one is this. When you read through this, these beatitudes, here's what you're going to learn. If you take a real close look, you're going to learn that living the blessed life has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances. Say this out loud. Living the blessed life has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances. And let me just say, both positive and negative. How many of you have had some positive circumstances in your life? Uh, amen? I, hey, how many of you have looked back at some of the th things in your life and go, Woo, man, that, I'm, yeah, woo, yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, you know, you whoo, got a raise. Whoo, I'm living the blessed life. I got engaged. Whoo, man, I'm blessed. There's a lot of things to make you blessed in life, but <coughs> being blessed, that is supremely blessed. That is extremely uh, uh, beneficial, being benefited by God's blessing in our life, being well off and very happy should have nothing to do and has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances. You see, most people spend their life trying to get their circumstances to a place where they can feel and sense the blessing on their life. 
Man, if I just get to here, if I stack up this, and let me tell you something, you know, uh, resources and things are good. The Bible, Bible says God gives us all good things to enjoy. Am I right? But how many of you know there's plenty of rich folk that are not living the blessed life? There's plenty of people who you would think, man, if I could trade places with them, then I'd be all right. And if the truth be known, in fact, gosh, you know, some, uh, mm, some people, people you would think, man, I'd like to change places with them. I think of Tom Hanks. I love Tom. How many of you like, he's a good actor, right? Tom Hanks. What, what, what did he, what's your favorite movie Tom Hanks played in? Castaway, Forrest Gump. Oh man, he's just all, and he's married uh, to his lovely wife. Anybody remember her name? Pardon me? Rita, Rita who? Wilson. Now that's the volleyball, right? All right. Anyway, you know, when you read his life, you'd look, man, what a blessed man. You know, his wife uh, struggles with cancer. Got a son that struggled with drugs. He got issues. How many of you know he had traded all to get those things fixed? So understand something. Living the blessed life has nothing to do with resources and things and stuff. It has nothing to do. You got to get this down. You got to get this in your system. And that's what Jesus was trying to do with his disciples because he knew there was a road they were going to go down that they had to, if they're going to live, uh, uh, in the, this very fortunate and very happy and exceedingly blessed lifestyle, he had to some way separate them and, and separate the, the, the state of blessedness from their circumstances as temporary as they may be. You got that first point, shake your head, say, I got it. Let me show you what I'm talking about this morning. Because look what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's a kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of heaven. We'll look at that. Look in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. How many of you know mourning is not the greatest feeling and emotion in the world? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if you go down to verse 11, you'll see, blessed are they when, when you revile and pers- when people revile and persecute you. In other words, what was Jesus saying? The state of your blessedness has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances. As a disciple, somehow you've got to move beyond that understanding in your life. In fact, we've got to realize, as I said just a few moments ago, that life on planet earth is only temporary. Let me show you a verse that I've shared with you before, but let me show it to you again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You need to see this because here's what Paul says. He tries to get us to understand and differentiate between our uh, uh, temporary and temporal circumstances and get us to look a little further down the tunnel of time. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Somebody say temporary. Look at your neighbor and say it's only temporary. He said the things which are seen are only are temporary, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. And so 
Jesus, Paul the Apostle in the Word of God, try, and, and Jesus especially in the Sermon on the Mount, he's trying to get us to a higher state, a higher place, and to understand that it doesn't matter what you go, what you're going through here on planet Earth. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's a struggle. There's mourning times. There's times most of us haven't experienced persecution. Some of us may have been reviled for the gospel's sake and spoken evil of against falsely because of the gospel. We may have gone through those things, but Jesus said that has nothing to do with your state of being on the inside. That's just normal for a disciple. And you've got to draw the state of your blessedness and your happiness and your joy from someplace different than the temporary circumstances of this life. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, don't lose heart. Don't, don't let this get you down. It's only temporary. In fact, blessed are those who mourn because they shall be comforted. And, and what did Jesus say when he told his disciples he was going to leave? He said, and they got all nervous. They got shook up, man. They were, man, they're grieving because Jesus is leaving. He said, I'm not going to leave you, uh, by yourself. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He will come and comfort you. In fact, the, the word for comforter, Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the one brought alongside to help you, to comfort you, to guide you, to direct you, to keep you. In other words, I've got some resources that go way beyond your temporary and, 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 and earthly circumstances. Somebody say amen. So you got to get number one down. That's what Jesus was trying to do with his disciples right out of the, right out of the box, right out of the, right out of the chute, if you will. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He was trying to get his disciples to say, hey, if you're going to live the blessed life, you've got to live in a state beyond the circumstances of this present moment. Number two, living the blessed life, according to these passages here, Jesus was teaching us living the blessed life is based upon a long-term eternal perspective. Let's say that out loud, that number two. Everybody, you with me? Out loud and proud. Here we go. Living the blessed life is based upon a long-term eternal perspective. Notice these ble- the state of blessedness. These beatitudes. Let me throw this out for you. Look in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Somebody say kingdom of heaven. What was... Somebody say kingdom of heaven. Where was Jesus pointing these disciples right out of the box? Right, out, Hey, you got to look beyond the circumstances. You got to look and get a, gain a long-term eternal perspective that this life on planet earth is only temporary. And, and, and those who are poor in spirit, they'll be blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look in verse eight. Look what he says. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall. Did you know one, one day we'll see him? In fact, the Bible says we'll be just like him, for we'll see him just as he is. In fact, I love the old hymn. I guess Bill Gaither wrote, we shall behold him. I don't know who, who wrote it, but man, it'll say face to face. Dottie Rambo sang it. Do you think she wrote it? She saw him. She's in heaven today. She beheld him. What's Jesus trying to do? 
get us to look beyond the temporary into the eternal. Look in verse 10. He says it again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the what? The kingdom of... You know, today persecution is at an all-time high. We, when we think of persecution, we think about the Romans and it was terrible back then. I'm telling you, it's terrible today. Just recently... Uh, uh, um, Coptic Christians, uh, where were they? I don't know. They, the uh, terrorists came upon their bus. Egypt, Egypt. 29 Christians killed for the cause of Christ. Persecuted, martyred because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we're, it's in an alt. You know what? Jesus understood the signs of the times, and he understood that. And, he, and, and we kind of live in a little bubble here. We look there. It was in Egypt. It was there. It was over there. I'm telling you, understand something. The church around the world is embracing the reality that this world is only temporary, and living the blessed life is based upon a long-term, more eternal perspective. Look what he says in verse 12. 12 even rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward where somebody say in heaven great is your reward where some of us want to be rewarded in the here and now and I'm telling you sometimes the blessings come but sometimes it's not till we see him and we realize it was all it you know here's another oh it will be worth it all when we see Jesus, this is one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race, and if I could sing how I would, till we see Christ. Jesus first rattled out of the box in his first recorded message. When all the world is listening, but he's talking to his disciples, he says, listen, if you're going to live the blessed life, that life that is supremely blessed, that is extremely fortunate, well off and very happy, you got to understand that it has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances. And, and it is based upon your understanding of eternity. It's based upon a long-term, more eternal perspective that life on planet Earth is only temporary. And the life, listen, the life we live on planet Earth will affect us for all eternity. Did you know that? Not just on where we spend eternity. Eternity, but what we get when we get there. Did you know one day we'll all stand before him and we'll come before him, we'll stand before him and he'll reward us based upon how we lived our life on planet earth. Did you realize that? And, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the one in the crowd that name doesn't get called that just got in by the hair of his chinny chin chin. I want to hear, well done thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm, bring, I'm going to give you much. Come on in. And he reward us accordingly. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Where he rewards us based upon how we live life on planet earth. And that's what he's trying to get across to his disciples. That this life is temporary. And if you're going to live the blessed life. That extremely fortunate, well off and very happy supremely blessed life you got to get a more long-term and eternal perspective everybody say it's only temporary number three living the blessed life is based upon the development of internal christ-like character in these short 12 verses or really 10 verses 
you'll see that Jesus is sharing with them some character traits that they, as well as you and I, are going to have to embrace in our life and develop in our life if we're going to be effective disciples who are living the blessed life, the extremely, supremely blessed and fortunate and very happy life. We've got to develop within us the character of Christ, and he just mentions a few. In fact, the first one, we tend to, because it says the word poor, we tend to think of it as a negative, but it's really not a negative. When he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He, he, poor, we tend... How many of you don't really like the word poor? How many love the word poor? Okay, let's try it again. How many of you don't like the word poor? Okay, I get you. I don't either. I don't want to be poor. I don't want anybody else to be poor. Our understanding of poor, uh, just, man, that's poor. I don't like poor. I don't have to tell anybody that's poor. I wouldn't have to, I don't like to tell my wife, oh, what you made here, it's kind of poor. I, no, we don't want to use the word poor because we have a negative understanding about poor, but it's a little different here. Let me show you. It, it, and it, in fact, it's the picture of a beggar. How many of you, are, you don't like beggars? I mean, you love beggars, but you don't, you just, you know, I want to bless people. But how many of you want to be a beggar in life? Anybody, anybody, when I grow up, I want to be a beggar? Man, if you Google beggars, some of them make pretty good money begging, but I'd rather, I'd rather just work hard like the Bible says. We talked about this morning in Sunday circles. You know, if a man doesn't work, don't let him eat. Uh, we need to make a living. Uh, but that's not this word, but it's kind of the word beggar, but it has a spiritual context. Are you with me? Say amen. And here it is, someone totally dependent upon God for spiritual sustenance. Someone who has come to the place where they're totally dependent upon God for their sustenance and survival and spiritual success. That's a little different. Because understand something as a disciple, if you, hey, if you're going to live the blessed life, come on now, you got to get completely, teetotally, absolutely dependent upon the one who can bless you. And that's where he starts. This is the, this is the first words. These guys been following him for a few days, weeks. And he gets up and he talks to them. The whole world's listening. Blessed are those who have come to the place where they realize that they, without Jesus, are in a a pickle and that are absolutely, teetotally, 100% dependent upon him for their survival, both body, soul, and spirit. In the culture we live in today, that's absolutely not the case. Thank the Lord for my eternity, but we look in a lot of different places for the state of our well-being. Poor in spirit, totally dependent upon Him. How many of that's a that's the place where we all have to start? If we're going to live the blessed life, we got to be totally, teetotally, absolutely, as a beggar begging for bread. If you don't give it, I won't get it. I need you in my life. I'm totally dependent upon you for my next breath. How many of you know that's the character of Christ? Number two, this one's great. Blessed are the meek, 
for they shall inherit the earth. Everyone say meekness is not weakness. We tend to think of meek as timid. That's not it either. He's meek. He's timid. No, that has not, that's not it. And meek. In fact, the early Greeks in training horses developed this word. They trained horses. Back in the beginning, they, they, they developed the system of bridling a horse. That, how many of you know horses by nature are strong animals? They're strong beasts. Everybody go, they're strong, but you know, man, they're just big and bulky, strong. Uh, but, and the Greeks did, once they trained the horse with the bridle in its mouth, they gave it this term. And they, it says he's a meek horse. He's the meekest horse. It means the horse that is the strongest, but yet his strength is absolutely submitted to the bridle that is in their mouth that is governed by the one who is riding the horse. And so, and this is what Jesus is alluding to with his disciples. He's not looking at his disciples and saying, okay, guys, it's time to tiptoe through the tulips and be meek. No, he's, all he's saying here is, is guys, we're men, okay? Men have strength. Disciples should have great strength and stamina, spiritual, mental, emotional stamina and strength. But understand something, you've got to be completely, teetotally, and absolutely uh, submitted to the governance of God in your life. Strength under the control of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. To where when the Holy Spirit goes, eh, this way, eh, okay, okay, eh, that way. How many of you know if you had a big rod in your mouth and somebody pulled on it a little, they'd get your undivided attention? And Jesus is looking at his disciples and maybe even especially Peter who had to learn about that bridle. How many of you, all of us have to learn about the bridle of God? See, that's the character of Christ in us. I'm, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Living the blessed life, the supremely blessed life, extremely favored and fortunate and well-off and very happy life has everything to do with eternity and everything to do with Yielding to the character and the nature of God in your life. And then he goes on. Here's a number of others. Uh, oh, and let me just throw this about meek. How many of you know the Bible says Moses? Everybody say Moses. Moses, the Bible says in Numbers, he was the meekest man on planet earth. You study the life of Moses. Was he a weak man? How many of you know he can't be a weak man to lead millions of people? He was not a meek man, but his, his strength was yielded. He was the meekest man. He was yielded, if you will, to the governance of God in his life. And then you go on through this, this, uh, these beatitudes. You know, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And oh, I love this one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those who have a allowed God to change the desires of their heart and be crucified to the flesh and where we begin to seek after and to search after right relationship with God and we hunger and thirst after more of Christ in our life. Amen. And then blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Let them rejoice and be exceedingly glad. 
For great is their reward in heaven. Jesus is teaching his disciples. First rattle out of the box, Sermon on the Mount. If you're going to be my disciple and live the blessed life and be what I want you to be, that extremely blessed, that extremely fortunate, very happy kind of life that has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances but has everything to do with your long-distance eternal perspective and has everything to do with the character of Christ being developed in your heart. Uh, That's the only way it's going to happen disciples. You've got to develop the character of Christ in your life. You ever heard anybody say this? Well, that's just the way I was, that's just the way I was raised. You ever heard that? You, somebody just, oh, say a bad word. That's just the way I was raised. We cuss my household. Oh, just the way I was raised. I can't help it. Yes, you can help it. How many of you know before you're born again, you can't help it, but once you get born again, you're supposed to be able to help it, right? Oh, are you with me? Say amen. And then number four, living the blessed life, that very fortunate, supremely blessed, well-off, very happy kind of life is based upon our international, global, evangelical inheritance. And I'm getting back to the Great Commission. Because look what he says when he says, blessed are the meek. For they shall what? Inherit the what? They shall inherit the earth. Now, he's not just talking about dirt and lands. How many of you appreciate dirt and land? You got dirt and land in your life? You got houses? Hey, appreciate dirt and land. But he's not talking about inheriting just dirt and land here. I appreciate dirt and land. He's talking about the people in the earth. And when you look at the bigger picture and the reason that we're, that his disciples were here, you put it all, I'm going to give you a better perspective. When he's now, he's just got these disciples to begin to follow him. In fact, the, the beginning of his relationship with his disciples, he said, I just call you to be with me. Just be with me. Just hang out with me. No strings attached at this point, you just follow me and be with me, and I will begin to make you into fishers of men, okay? And that's what they did. They just started following him and learning from him and growing. They they were called to gather. They were called to grow. And then later on, as Jesus began to leave, they were called to give of themselves. And then as he left, they're called to go. And when you put it all together, Jesus said, and though they probably didn't understand it at this point, if you'll just be what I want you to be, you'll have an inheritance of all the earth. And what did the Great Commission say? Go into all the earth, all the world, and make disciples. And if you fast forward to the end of the book, You'll see that in that day, in eternity, in heaven, he's getting them an eternal perspective right up front too. And then we fast forward to Revelation and a prophetic insight to the future. There's representatives from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And if you read Revelation eleven fifteen, it says that, that, that uh, uh, we will inherit the earth and the kingdoms of this world... This earth will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever. How many of you know that's a great inheritance we have? You see, our inheritance as saints of God, our inheritance, it's not just heaven, my friend. It's success on earth for the sake of all eternity. 
living the blessed life. Man, I'm going to tell you, some of my happiest people I know that are people on the front lines making a big difference in the world, making a difference in Africa and India and all over the world. We've got our world right here. And God wants us to make a difference. We have an inheritance. We've got to line up as disciples. This morning, I want to close. I want to ask you a question. Make a couple of statements. Today, today, everybody say today. We've talked about heaven. We've talked about having a long-distance perspective. But today, our eternal mission and vision, the fulfillment of our mission and vision demands our absolute participation. How many of you know the Great Commission will not be fulfilled without participation? Jesus didn't say, relax and enjoy the journey, and I'll go make disciples. He said, no, you go. You become a disciple maker. And we must become. Everybody say must. We must become disciple makers. We must invest our lives in others so they can invest their lives. And if we do, we'll learn how to live the blessed life. That's supremely blessed, extremely fortunate, very happy kind of life. You see, understand something. It's not the selfish people that are the happiest. It's the selfless people that are the happiest. It's not the selfish. You ever met a happy, selfish person? They're never satisfied. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples there. If you want to live the blessed life, you got to understand something. It's not all about getting what you can and can in the rest. It has nothing to do with your temporary circumstances on this life, but it has everything to do of, with your eternal perspective and gaining the character and the and the and the the the, the Christ-like character in your heart and going out into a, into the world that is lost without Christ and making disciples and inheriting the earth. This is our inheritance. Your inheritance is waiting upon you. They have faces and names and stories, problems and pain. They're red, yellow, black, and white. People from all backgrounds and walks of life. I find it interesting that on that first day of Pentecost, all the people from all the different places and languages and tongues were amazed. You know what God was saying there that day? You know what he was saying? He said, I love them all. Every nation, tribe, this is our inheritance as the servants of the Lord. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, today, help us embrace 
the blessed life that you have for us. And Lord, today it's hard for us to get past the temporary circumstances of this life. In fact, in this service this morning, I want to pray for us. Some of you are really tangled up with the temporary circumstances. You know what? They demand our attention, but right now we're just going to look beyond them, and I'm going to pray for you. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, there's some situations going on in my life that seem to be draining the, sapping the life and the joy right out of me. They're not making me blessed. They're making me feel desperate and depressed. If that's you today, I will not embarrass anyone. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray together. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, that's me. You're talking about my temporary circumstances. Man, I've got some situation circumstances in my life that have kept me out of the race, kept me off track and, and out of sync and trying to undermine the, the destiny of God for my life. I want to pray for you. Wherever you are, just lift your hand. I see that hand. I see hands all over this room today going up. I'm going to pray for you today. I want, In fact, now let's all lift up our hands because all over this room, there are people who lifted up their hands. Father, today, I pray this message, Lord, would sink into our hearts and especially those who lifted their hands today that the circumstances of this present moment that they would begin to embrace as only temporary and you'd begin to give them a more long term long distant perspective about eternity and Lord they would begin to embrace the call and the destiny of God for their life and realize that their happiness their state of blessing and, and extreme joy is not based upon this temporary moment I pray God you would lift them up and Lord even if you don't change the circumstances change what's going on on the inside today. And Lord, we don't look to this life for our joy. We don't look to this life for our state of peace. Lord, we look to you today. We are absolutely teetotally 100% dependent upon you today, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for these that lifted their hand that you would help them move beyond this moment. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment to Christ. I want us all to pray this out loud together. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Come on, let's say it. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Help us to be absolutely dependent upon you. For everything in our life poor in spirit is where we need to be help us to hunger and thirst after righteousness in Jesus name in Jesus name now everybody pray this prayer and Lord, open our eyes to those around us who need you. Help us to become disciple makers. In Jesus' name. Everybody said.